to our dinner table. I am so excited to have you here today. My name, of course, is Aislinn Campbell, and with me is my favorite co-host. Joe Hilliard. I love you. I love you. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm very excited about the meals we're going to talk about tonight. This and has been a most amazing week. Has it? Yes. Tell me. Because I got home from this amazing vacation and stepped right into planting my gardens. Yeah. And then I got a box of, okay, this might be a little batty for some people. We expect no less. <laughs> I just spent $90 on plastic pots mm. to plant my plants in. To someone else, that might seem like an exorbitant amount of money to spend on the plastic pots. Not the actual food, not the fertilizer, not the, 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 the pots you put them in. <laughs> you ever played golf? Uh, a little bit. That is one expensive hobby. Is it? Oh, Boy, I mean, if you're serious about it or anything else, if you fish if and then you, you buy a boat. If you call my gardening a hobby, we're going to get in a fight. <sighs> okay, I can completely understand your point of view on that. And I don't want to fight with you. That is devaluing. Actually, you know what? I was thinking about this the other this day. This is why I use Someone the... said, what are the things that make you feel like your talents are devalued? And this man said to me once, oh, you're a gardener. And that has struck me to my core. So if someone calls gardening a hobby... No one knows how you spend your daylight and even nighttime hours better than me, except for maybe you. Yeah. I used the word hobby because I can't think of a different word to say... I just want to clear it up. That you <laughs> you will come home with no agenda and use that time not sitting on the couch, not necessarily reading a book, although I catch you reading books... You want to be outside tending, planting yeah. your, your plants. So Anyone that's why that's I even, use the word hobby. Please, please forgive me. Anyone that's even not seen me on like some kind of a Zoom meeting has I, seen me. I might me get into a fight with you today. Actually. Potting plants and sure. pl planting seeds. I mean, like I use my time very wisely. I plant plants. But let's get back to my point. Okay, my ninety dollars is for what's my hobby? What is my hobby? My I, hobby would I be drawing, but I never do that. I hardly do that. What's my hobby? The podcast? No, that's not a hobby either. That's a job. Dude, let's, I mean, unless you're saying that like you can make wealth on your hobbies and you should live your life in hobbies making your wealth, then hells yeah, I do. My whole life is a hobby. Last week when we were talking about your plants, mm -hmm. I made that big radio voice thing that I do. This is our food. So of course you have to put the extra effort and care into it. And I was pleased to do that while you were gone. But that's the most exciting thing for me with the videos and photos that I've seen of the planting that you've done since you've been home is the idea that, like I said last week, three to six months from now, we'll be talking about those things on this program. Uh, last week, and I don't know if we'll talk about this particular food in another episode, but we picked the most beautiful tromboncino squash yeah. off of the side of our chicken coop mm -hmm. from a random plant that I put in at the last minute that was about to die if I didn't do something with it, stuck it in, and then we you made amazing soup. I probably ate four or five meals from that soup. Go back to season one where we talk more in depth about the tromboncino. Tromboncino. Yeah, do we talk about the debate right now? Just... Oh, the presidential debate that yeah. aired last I, night? I yeah. Do we talk about that? Do we talk about that? All I, I don't want to. Okay, good. Perfect. I actually got up and left. You were watching it. And I said, yeah, no, mm -mm, not interested. Doesn't we took great care good. to watch all of the Democratic debates for, and during the primary. And there were no Republican debates for the primary. We would have watched those as well. You have shifted since those debates and this first presidential debate. 
and well, and being less will help me. Well, good lord, there's been an entire pandemic, and the whole world feels like it's come come unrooted. My political leanings have shifted. A you lot. sat down with me. I just have no desire to be in the mainstream political conversation. You anymore. sat down with me. Then mm-hmm. I. You <laughs> lasted five minutes. The first question. And you said, yeah, I'm out. I gathered up my stuff and went, no, thanks. I'm going to go sit on the back porch and plant plants. And then I think I said. And drink champagne and eat chocolate. And I think I said, I'll <laughs> I'll let you know if you missed anything good. You missed nothing good. <laughs> when that stuff riles you up and that stuff gets you. You better tap that shit out. You just <laughs> sit down quietly, cross your legs, and meditate on the idea that there are questions that you could be answering. Unanswered questions. I knew there would be questions about this. And then, of course, there were questions about it because, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago when I was talking about getting a dairy cow and naming her Liberty Mm -hmm. so I could have my own raw milk if I wanted to. I look forward to the photos. The whole kind of thing. I mentioned that I I get questions so, so, so often about where can I get raw milk from? Right. And it is illegal to sell raw milk in Texas. Right. It is illegal to sell raw milk at a market in Texas. So uh, a supermarket, okay. a farmer's market, that kind of thing. It is illegal to take the milk off the farm and sell it. Is it illegal for me to go to my buddy that has a dairy cow and he lets me have the milk that like a private transaction that isn't even a transaction? That is not illegal in Texas. Okay. A private transaction. Because it is illegal for us to give our backyard chicken eggs away to anybody. I would take them to the Texas state courts on that one if it was really pushed hard. Understood. Because in Texas, a transaction between two people aside from specific illegal drugs, is legal. Even, I don't know if you know this, but Egg I, yolks actually and heroin, looked, same I actually looked I actually looked up what services are taxable by state tax, and you can actually even be an escort and a massage therapist that is not a licensed massage therapist, but you will be taxed for your services. Sure. Y'all read into that whatever you choose to read into it. <laughs> Laws are screwy. That's what I'm going to read into. It. Everyone knows that. Exactly. People were but, asking you questions about this raw milk conversation we had a couple of ra- weeks ago. Right. Oh, and there may be, I mean, the way that someone does it to protect themselves is that they're selling you raw milk for your animals. Say I've got a baby cow. You need some a mother's baby, milk. Sure. Yeah. And I need yeah. milk for that cow. Okay. I can go to a farmer that I know has raw milk and purchase it from them directly. I could drive to their farm, purchase it from them, take it home. Once I've taken it off the farm's property, they're not no longer liable for what I choose to do with it. Okay. So in the United States, there are places where raw milk, it's legal to sell. State by state, there's different rules. There's different rules state by state. Milk and marijuana. Now, raw milk and milk products are those that have not undergone a process called pasteurization. Pasteurization is important, and this was a really a thing that I thought was really great about going out to the Canali farm, was that what they're doing out there to protect us is doing low pasteurization. Okay, what are they protecting us from and why? And why is Texas a little bit harder about this particular rule? There are lots of reasons people might say, but one that this particular farmer and dairy farm finds as valuable is a pathogen called brucella. And it causes brucellosis. You can also find it by the name RB51. Okay. It can cause severe nerve damage, basically. 
even if they can cure it and they can these days. With no, the and different... I would imagine that the likelihood that you encounter it is low, but it is a thing. Correct. It is dangerous. Correct. Because one of the questions I that I got okay. asked was, well, we drink raw milk and we've never been affected by it. Sure. Live in that moment. Live in that joy. Be there. Don't get yourself locked into this idea that something's going to hurt you if it's not hurting you. Right. But as it relates to the law, we have a couple different types of brucella pathogens in our state. And we have wild hogs that pass these types of things around potentially. Mm -hmm. And we have to vaccinate for that particular pathogen. It's why I pay a lot of attention to the meat temperature when we cook a harvested wild hog. Well, and that's why certain things you can eat raw and certain things you can't eat raw. Mm -hmm. There is a movement from county to county of citrus. Certain counties, you cannot take your citrus from that county into another county. I've seen that. Okay. The reason is because yeah. we have a specific pathogen in our county that other counties don't have, and they're trying to protect the citrus farmers from the spread of that pathogen. So my farmer friends out there built and are about to kick into action for sales low pasteurization facility. Okay. Okay. I imagine there's some kind of difference between low and high. Yes. Okay. What you purchase from the grocery store is a high pasteurization homogenized milk. So what they do is they pull up. It looks like a gas tank. Uh, what do you call it? A, a tanker truck? A tanker truck. Okay. You know, you've seen them. Uh -huh. But instead of having gasoline in it or uh -huh. oil in it, it has milk oh, in it. Oh, and they're going from farm to farm to farm, putting exactly. all the same different exactly. people's milks into the same exactly. truck. So this farm over here has done a great job vaccinating for brucella. They don't have any problems with it. But this farm over here does and hasn't and hasn't done things as well, whatever. The dairy industry, the big dairy industry might argue some of my points here, but I don't really care. Yeah. Moving on. They've, they've got highly paid lobbyists to make <laughs> exactly. sure that their product is exactly. the number one sale. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Might so they take on them. that That's what big... we do in America Exactly. Now. So what, it's where we are. So they take that tanker truck and then they drive to a facility where they pasteurize. Okay. They bring the temperature up very fast, very high, and they kill everything in it. They kill the good bacteria, the bad bacteria. They kill the flavor. They kill just... Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, and then they can sort it out and make it low skim, whole, blah, 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 blah. Then they can take it and make cheese and yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Canales have created this low pasteurization facility. And what they do, and please don't quote me on this, 150 degrees for 30 minutes. They do slow and low. They know they're going to get rid of that bad bacteria. They know they have to hit this temperature. Uh, okay. They know they have to do it in a certain amount of time for efficiency. And then what it does is just kill the bad stuff. Got you. Low pasteurization. Correct. I learned something today. Just yeah. like you cook your pork well, mm -hmm. they pasteurize their milk to make sure it's safe. It's no secret that you and I enjoy a cocktail when we go out to eat dinner. But in our I whole relationship, I've never seen, heard stories of, that you like oyster shooters. Hmm. I was surprised when you said, I, I, I got a couple of oyster shooters. What I is... I just got one. Don't make me all luscious. What Wait, was in kind of that oyster shooter? What is an oyster shooter? I, I can guess. Well, it's got a raw oyster in it. Of course. And okay, my mom was drinking a Bloody Mary, which sounded really good because when you're breaking fast at any point, like something with a little bit of hearty protein or, you know, something a little more meatier is, is always a good thing to break fast with. 
but I really like to start off. I like to start off my drinking with my first sip being a glass of champagne, some mm. bubbles. <laughs> so I ordered a mimosa. You have a whole system. <laughs> As I told someone the other day, I'm a professional. <laughs> you know, I mean. Have a seat. I have a lot to teach you. It's not a hobby, y'all. <laughs> it's a, a profession. <laughs> Oh, la la la. So an oyster shooter just seemed like the right thing here in this place where I'm about to eat oysters and have a bloody mary type. So basically it's a bloody it's like a bloody mary. But it's but it's a shot like a shot glass. It's a shot a little well there's was a little plastic shot glass. Oh, cuz of COVID. Had a gulf oyster in it, had absolute pepper vodka. Okay. Which I just love that stuff anyways because I love black pepper. You know that. Y'all have heard that in past episodes. Fresh lemon, horseradish. I also have an Oh my God, it makes me feel so good. Horseradish. You do. I fucking love horseradish. And wasabi and all of the Burns derivatives. Burns my nostrils. I love it. <laughs> Cracked black pepper and then cocktail sauce. So it's an ounce and a half or whatever with that in yeah. there and you take a shot. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure all over Corpus you can get that type of thing too. But for whatever reason, it's never drawn me in. But that day, it was perfect. Here's why I'm asking. You challenged me in the season finale and we did it. This week we started. We're going to talk about that in a little while. I've also challenged myself to do the steamed oysters that you talked about last week. They sound amazing. Hey, you know what else happened? Go ahead. I tagged... Um, this is why I lose my train of thought. Go ahead. <laughs> I tagged Richard Lomax because I called him out last week. Yeah, he owns a big oyster restaurant here. Yeah, and he said, um, yeah, we're really thinking about doing a, oh, he talked, an, an oyster bake. Y'all had a back and forth? Yeah, and okay. I was like, oh, good. You do an oyster bake. And Put I me said, on the planning committee. And then something about like they're, they're wanting to do some different types of events that will include that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely was like, let me know Great what idea. I can help. Let Great me know if idea. I can come out, if we can come out and do the podcast live, you know, whatever. Let's be involved. It would be fun. An oyster bake in Corpus Christi. Ah! I'm putting together my thoughts on the steamed oysters. Let's get some oyster shooters up in here. So I want to plan this meal out real quick. It's the steamed oysters. Uh-huh. It wasn't really a meal. Well, maybe that's the plan. Yeah, that was the plan. Afternoonish. Uh-huh. It's not dinner. It's not lunch. It was 11 o'clock. <laughs> 10 o'clock if you're in Texas. Okay, so, okay, so we're out. Hold on. So outside, you and I, this weather, a uh-huh. couple of oyster shooters each. Uh-huh. The steamed oysters come uh-huh. out. Yeah. That's yeah. just a big protein dump inside. Uh-huh. So yeah. what, 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 I mean, a meal, a, an occasion. Do you do a boil on the side of the traditional boil things like potatoes and corn and like over here? Is this a meal? It's the experience. I have no idea, but it sounds fun. Stretch and use your mind with me right now. These are unanswered questions. Oh, I'm doing oyster shots and I'm drinking extra Bloody Marys and I'm eating all the steamed oysters and gumbo. Oh, you got to have some gumbo. Okay, some gumbo. And for me, I know this isn't everyone, but for me, I'm always going to eat like a beautiful fresh salad. Okay. Right? Salad. Gumbo, steamed oysters, oyster like, shooters. Yeah, maybe it's just like um, mm. different occurrences of different types of oysters. You know, like steamed oysters and some raw oysters and some like oyster Rockefeller and some. Oh my I don't god! Even now, hold know. on, you've made it very, very complicated. Well, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of or oysters Rockefeller, but how about some of Snoopy's fried oysters? You want fried oysters? You want steamed oysters in the same meal plus gumbo and salad? Maybe. Yeah. I have mentioned this before, but I love it when we do get to the time of year where we're not forced to cook a certain type of thing because of the vegetables we've got to eat. Sure. And you were saying, I'm going to cook a chicken. 
what do I do with the chicken? And you... <laughs> That's how I'm doing it now. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to make a chicken. Let's figure out what we're going to do with the chicken. Right. Rarely am I now saying, let me cook a chicken for a purpose. So my suggestion was, I want you to make one of my most favorite things to eat. It is usually only available to me in a restaurant. And because I don't eat chicken at restaurants ever, unless I know the farm the chicken came from, I never get sour cream, chicken, green enchilada type things. I was happy to do it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was happy chicken to do it. and sour cream and tomatillo verde. The recipe and... I use calls it salsa verde chicken enchiladas. So apparently one of the things that you have come up with in your planned design of life is that you're going to help the boys learn how to cook at an affordable rate. I want them to get good food inside of them. Mm-hmm. I know that they want to spend as little as possible. They know that we cook really good food here. So let me give them some recipe ideas that are on a budget. Spark some creativity, but also keep it in their budget potentially. Yeah. We did it on the first episode of this season with the... Long distance sausage. <laughs> well, this time we did long distance chicken enchiladas. Oh my God. I love chicken enchiladas. Even now when I think about it, I'm like, oh, those were so good. I want more. How many enchiladas did we fit in that pan? I want to say 12. I don't know, but I ate a lot of them. There are three boys in that apartment up there. And I went to the grocery store website to put all of the items into a cart mm -hmm. to make this at home. Mm -hmm. $15. $5 a man. Nice. For four enchiladas a piece. Now, you could get a larger rectangular tray and really stack that thing up for maybe 20 bucks, you know. Uh-huh. The only thing stopping them from doing it is the effort. Right. It starts with salsa verde. Well, I could tell you that I have a massive amount of tomatillos coming out of the backyard. You make salsa verde with these tomatillos. But I'm not 100% sure that I do. I have beautiful, beautiful tomatillo plants with flowers all over them with only one tomatillo right now. And those plants have been out there for like nine months. So... Anyone that's listening to that, that grows tomatillos successfully, please send me a message and give me some advice. You're not above asking for help. I have honeybees that are pollinating things. So what's the problem? I have multiple plants. What's the problem? I'm following all the rules. Share your tomatillo growing magic with me, please. Well, I got more tomatillos at the grocery store. <laughs> Someday though. Someday I'm going to figure it out. I did. Remember that time I accidentally grew a bunch of them? Like... Boom. Learning garden. Psh, they were everywhere. We didn't know what to do with all of them. You get the magic back, baby. You'll get the magic back. I'll you stick back. those tomatillos into your oven and you roast them along with the jalapeno, serrano, and garlic. Mmm, garlic. After you let it cool, you peel all of the skins off of everything that you can. You remove any of the seeds from the peppers. Some people might want to leave the seeds in there because they like it really hot. I always like to remove the seeds and then add spice later. Mm-hmm. Then you add onion, cilantro, lime juice, salt to those items, stick it in your food processor, you've made salsa verde. Now that goes directly into your pan. Do they have a... No, probably not. See, that's the problem. You're right. So if you're making it at home, you go get a jar of salsa verde, which I put into my H-E-B, my grocery store cart. Yes. I don't expect them to roast tomatillo. I mean, I don't expect them to go to that kind right, of thing. And, right. you know, they're studying. I know that they're great. They're, they're those weirdo kids where grades really are the most important thing. So I don't expect them to take time away from study to do that kind of thing at this point in their life. Well, grades and 
beer parties and their jobs and you know in fact the recipe for the chicken enchiladas calls for a 16 ounce jar of it you know i mean we just happen to take that next step and, and make our own otherwise you just take your salsa verde jarred or homemade and then you put it into your cast iron skillet or whatever skillet you use with your sour cream like i said we use the greek yogurt cilantro leaves and the, and the cooked chicken let it kind of blend you know take your corn tortillas Put them on the griddle, just get them hot so that they're pliable. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't break They kind of break and shred. Yeah. And if you yeah. get those corn tortillas warm and you can bend them a little better. Mm-hmm. And you take a big spoonful of that, stick it inside, roll it up like a cigar, place it into your rectangular dish. Repeat, repeat, repeat as often as many enchiladas as you want. Pour the rest of the sauce on top. Cover that with cheese that I grated. <laughs> Did not use the pre-grated cheese. I grated the cheese myself. <laughs> Bake it. Eat it. Delicious. Delicious. I hope that they'll take this one on maybe on a Saturday or Sunday when they got a little extra time and want the flavor of the home cooked. I definitely want that one to be in the rotation. In the rotation. Yes. That's a designation. In the rotation. In the rotation. If you go a few episodes back, you'll see that we have decided that we're going to have a conversation occasionally about what we think needs to be added to the dinner table talk code of ethics. Our first one was a good one. Eat local food as often as possible. Right. And so last week I said that I thought we should add something to the code of ethics. I like the often as possible that we added. Uh Uh-huh. It's not, hey, your ethics should be that you eat local food 100% of the time because that's not realistic for a lot of people, especially if they're just starting to explore the idea of putting more local food in their diet. Oh, Just and do if, it as often as you can. And if you live in a city where the only way you're going to get local food is if you spend a decade of your life building a local food system and you aren't prepared to do that. <laughs> you're going to have bruises all over the head from banging it against the wall. It's all right. It, especially it, if you're it in a metropolitan. the person I am today. <laughs> if you're in a metropolitan area north of us, even south of us, it is not as hard as you think to get that local food. But I, I like the idea of adding on as often as you can. Right. Sometimes you can, you can, and that's okay. Sometimes what was your idea last week? My idea last week was plant food. That helps grow you Grow something. No, not grow something. Uh-huh. Plant food. Because well, you can grow all kinds of some things you're not going to eat I've, that are very nice and beautiful and attractive and are I, I have a, I have a couple of ideas. Oh, well, wait. I think we need to do the formal, like, banging of the gong... We've Bang got, of the gong. We've got the ga- we've got the gang all here. Uh, we're gonna have a formal council meeting. You want to create a committee? No, <laughs> f- the committee. We're council now. Okay, so this is the council of dinner table <laughs> yeah. talks ethics. Yeah. Are we all here? I'm here. Okay. <laughs> all right. All the people okay, that so talk I, to me in my head. Okay, okay, I, I like this idea. I brought a couple to the table. We'll choose one. I guess what we got to put the committee into session. We got to put the council into session. Who's the mayor? Who's the in charge? Who's of the this? mayor? Who's, who's in the charge? Queen? Who's in charge of Duh. this committee? Duh. Oh, you're gonna be in charge of I'm the committee. The, I'm in charge of me. You, you're putting so many like really hard rules on this, and you know all I want is to to bang the the gavel. It goes and back be the to queen. our. It goes back put to our freedom harvest. <laughs> It goes back to the Freedom Harvest Island concept. You've already gotten on to me about the bringing in too many rules and thinking about it. Okay, I'm not going to think about it at all. The committee, I get, what are we calling ourselves? We are the Dinner Table Talks Ethics Council. I don't know who's in charge, but I will call the meeting to order. I'm in charge. <laughs> so repeat yours one more time, and then I'll tell you what I, what I think might need to be an ethic. 
I think you plant some food. That might be a garden. That might be a single tomato plant in a container on your back porch. Absolutely. Or even a little pot of basil up in your window seal where there's a little bit of warmth. Okay. You grow some of your own food. That's a good one. Why should everyone do that? So that you can have access to local food as often as you can. And so that it brings all the joy to your life that it brings to our life. And because it creates abundance in your life. And just, and and just like when it's you fl- healthier for you. Just and like when you flip that cheese over to look at the ingredients, you know all of the ingredients that have yep. gone into that tomato or basil or whatever you do. Yep. Grow something. Food. Grow some food. And it's actually affordable. If you grow one basil, that basil is going to reseed itself. And then you're going to have more basil the next season. I've got one. Okay. And as I guess we set the foundation, like the Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. this one would be up at the top of the list. Does my vote count as two in the voting process? Because, I, I'm just because here having a good time. I'm not going to create any rules. There's only two of us, though. And so I think if we're a spirited vote... debate might lead to a clear winner. Yes, maybe. Eat real I'm food. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I didn't talk over yours. Eat <laughs> real food. Order, order. <laughs> Who's the parliamentarian? <laughs> Eat real food as often as possible. You should definitely eat real food as often as possible. But if you plant... Is that a, is that a dinner table talk If ethic? you plant food and you eat the food, then you're eating some real food often. Small point. You didn't say plant all of the food that you intend to consume. People will have their you basil up on the windowsill. You didn't say eat all real food. I said eat real food as often as possible. The way that one might eat local food as often as possible. I'm uh-huh. di- differentiating between local and real. I think that's an ethic that we rely on in this home and around our dinner table. Oh, yeah, yeah. We absolutely do. No doubt. I already see where this is going. All right. Do you have another one? Did you bring just the single to the table today? Because we were forming an actual official meeting, I I better show up prepared, I suppose, right? I like it when you do that. No loud political debates on our TVs. As long as there's a back door and a retreat. (laughs) I'm going to strike that one down. No, I, I appreciate your point of view. I know that as an empath, that was not a very pleasant time for you, that debate last night. I don't like that knot in my stomach, and I can make a lot better things happen if okay, I walk I'm, away from I've it. I've got one more. Then It sounds like we got to discuss these four, and we'll come up with the one that we're going to add to the official list. Mm-hmm. Triple the seasonings. You're focused on food. That's interesting. At the beginning at the dinner, of this committee, at the I am. Ta- at the dinner table. At the beginning of this committee, I am. Triple the seasonings. We have said it on this show many, many, many times that in a recipe, oftentimes when they say a quarter teaspoon of Camino, that's not enough Camino. Here's my problem with tripling the seasonings as an ethical rule. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with it all the time. Triple the seasonings, asterisk. And then the asterisk is whenever it makes sense. I haven't added any asterisks. There are no asterisks on our document. You sound like a typical politician. There's always an asterisk, which means you can break the rules. I think that as often as possible is an asterisk without an asterisk. Yeah, but who makes the Triple rules? the season. No, it's fine. This is judicial intent. As it's you and I going back and forth to come up with a compromise. Triple the seasonings but do you every time it makes sense. Tripling the seasonings every time it makes sense. Okay, that, you're going into a completely different conversation about whether or not. I'm not scared of new conversations. That's true. You're creating morals rather than ethics, right? That's the thing we're having a conversation about. No, in ethics the past. are an agreed to within yes, a. Yes, but if you add an asterisk, that means that people get to base their but that, definition. I'm also putting fun into it. In our house, at our dinner table, we triple the seasonings. It is an ethic around here whenever we should. 
Not when we shouldn't. It's not an ethic. You don't triple the turmeric. It's not an ethic. Otherwise, every dish looks like mustard. <laughs> exactly. See, I'm one of those people. I said this in my garden talk the other day. I'm one of those people that if two is good, four must be better. And I've learned that four isn't always better. No, it's not all... Your enforcement is where you're hung up. Yeah, you're hung up on the enforcement of this. Okay, I'm going to strike it. I might bring it back in the future if we're going to do these every once in a while. Mm-hmm. The compromise here is we're striking away your low, loud political debates on TV. And let's just narrow it down to the other two. I think that a good rule that is good and can be stood by and can be is Except for plant. your insistence on watching every Democrat debate, and we would have watched the Republican ones had there been some. I, the rules flow and ebb as Asen I wants. Talk agree. about the biggest asterisk in the room. I agree. You're completely right. What Aislinn wants, Aislinn gets. Why don't we just put that on the list? It is on the list. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. There's only one thing on the list, and that is go eat local food as often as you can. It's always on the list. It's always on the list. What Aislinn wants, Aislinn gets. (sighs) Okay. It sounds like we've got it down to two. I think that got a little too aggressive. Eat real food as often as possible. And plant food. Plant food. Anywhere you have to plant food, plant food. Can we put both of them on there, or do we have... I have no rules. Eat real food Let's as often one. as you can. Let's just See, do your one. asterisks, I believe, are causing problems. Eat real food as often as you can is just a basic food rule that any healthy person should do. All right, fine. Okay, so eat food. between real eat, food... Eat food uh, <laughs> as often as you can. America no, has no eat. problem with that. <laughs> do not eat food as often as you okay, can. Okay, eat real fact. food as often as possible versus... Plant food. I will compromise and give you plant some food. Plant some food. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love you. That was good. Was that attractive or aggressive? <laughs> it was all bullshit is what it was. Oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. This is the one I'm excited to talk about the most. You got so much to say. Well, we just crossed a lot of things off of some lists. You had challenged me to make a grain-free pizza crust. And anyone that listens to this show knows that we make pizza. But the pizza that we've made prior to now had grain in the crust. Not just grain. It wasn't really real food. Exactly. (laughs) Pre-made crusts that you get at the grocery store. Pre-made crusts from the grocery store. And if you're eating grain-free, you said, Joe, please, let's uh, try some grain-free crust. Now, here's what that opens up for me in my world. The world of baking. You scared? Not scared, just... I know that it's going to require a higher level of mental energy than going in and making the tacos that I know how to make. Baking is science and chemistry and the ratios of baking powder and baking soda and how they all interact with one another. And if you leave out an ingredient, your entire thing fails. I don't know a lot about that. You mean you have to stay focused on your recipe and make sure that you follow all the directions correctly? That I can do. That's easy to do. If you give me a recipe that says a quarter teaspoon of this and a teaspoon, a tablespoon, I can do that. And it'll probably come out okay. But I know that great bakers are a little bit like an alchemist. They are understanding the chemistry that's occurring, not just the instructions that they're following. So I look forward to this challenge because it's going to get me into that. The way the five mother sauce challenge got me into the basis of all sauces that are made. You know, that makes perfect sense to me when you explained it that way, because as I've been out talking to my gardening clients and thinking that they look at the stuff I do and just go, I don't think I, I can do it. And then then they ask me for the rules and I'm like, there are no rules. And then they're like, but how do we do it? I'm like, oh, I guess there is a magic to it. But the magic to it is, and I'm sure that bakers, yes, these are the general guidelines that we follow. We follow the recipe. 
We learn how to improve the recipe with our hands in the dirt. And there is a flow to it. There is a magic to it. And that's what someone who's teaching someone how to bake or someone who's teaching someone how to garden is teaching. Yes, I'm giving you some steps. Yes, I'm giving you some ingredients. Yes, I'm giving yes, you a recipe. Yes, there are general rules like time Correct. of year. and Correct. But generally what I'm giving you is a joy and a love for baking, which makes you want to bake more and learn more and get better at it every day. So in that case, you're baking more every day, right? No, not every day. Uh, every once in a while when it just kind of, you know how we are. It's, you want to do some pizzas? No, nah, not tonight. You want to do some pizzas? Totally. It's a pizza night. Love in the pizza. occasion that it's a pizza night. I want to have a go-to grain-free crust recipe. Maybe think about it a day in advance so I can get the ingredients if I need them and prep. But I simply Googled grain-free pizza crust. You can imagine there were thousands of options. I picked one because the title was Three Ingredient Paleo Keto Pizza Crust Recipe. Mm. Three ingredients. We're going to start basic. When I very, very first started cooking, I'm a mom, I'm married, I'm home, I'm supposed to be cooking dinners. I had a recipe book called The Four Ingredient Cookbook. Okay. And that worked for a while. Yeah. That helped me get going. But now there's no way because four ingredients means that they're all four fake things thrown into the something to make Oh, that's what the cookbook kind of was. Basically. A can of chicken noodle a soup. Can of this, a, a can, can of this, a can of that. Uh, cream of chicken soup, I mean. Right. Get your Doritos out, a can of tomato paste, and well, what some are you noodles. Trying, what are you trying to Whatever. avoid in the pizza crust? It's grain. It's flour. Or pizza flour. These are things that you can buy yeah. at the grocery store. You have to replace those things with something. Here are the ingredients. Eight large egg whites. Mm -hmm. We have eggs. A oh, do we? <laughs> a quarter cup of coconut flour. Now, now, it have you ever used coconut flour before? In my life? Yeah, we have. How many times, since you started going grain-free, uh -huh. how many times have we had an awesome grain-free baked good that we bought at the farmer's market or whatever? The Siete brand is really the... Oh, from the farmer's market? Oh, the Siete brand of uh, tortilla chips and, and yeah, we like I those a lot, you, tortillas. I think the only fantastic grain-free thing I bought at the farmer's market mm -hmm. was back when our gluten-free friends, Dave and Amber, were making those cheese puff things. Okay. How many not-so-great grain-free baked items have we bought at a farmer's market here or elsewhere? A lot. A lot. They're better than nothing. But it's hard yeah. to do. It's hard to, to do. duplicate yeah. a pizza crust as we have grown up eating pizza crust. We have our favorite pizza crust. Thin, hand-tossed, da-da-da-da-da-da. I am curious about this... Um, I'm going to name the episode da-da-da-da-da, by the way. Yeah, I'm curious about this paleo place that's down, down the, street the street from us, We're whether they're making a, a grain-free pizza oh, crust. Oh, I've got big crust. ideas about grain-free pizza crust. We are going to make, eventually in our home, the best grain-free... No, but we should go down there and give them a try, because we haven't really given them You're a right. try yet, for real, for Where real. Where was I? Eight large egg whites, a quarter cup of cocoa, flour, a half of a teaspoon of baking powder, the spices of choice, they list options like salt, pepper, Italian spices, one tablespoon of coconut flour to dust your finished crust very mm -hmm, lightly. Mm -hmm. That seems very simple to me. Mm -hmm. But then they throw in a weirdo loop. Eight egg whites, I got that. For thicker crusts, use five egg whites and three whole eggs or any combination thereof. How thick do you want the crust? How thin do you want the crust? You're going to use the proper amount of egg yolk to do that. Yolk. Well, this is our first time. Are you trying to tell a joke with the word yolk? 
<laughs> well, this is our first time to make this thing. So I said, hey, baby, come here. It's the pizza crust for you. I can do eight egg whites, or I can do eight whole eggs, or I can do four and four, or three or five, or five or three, all about the thickness of the crust. Here's a photograph of what this thing's <laughs> supposed to look like. It looked like um, like a pita. It looked like a piece of bread, like a you know uh -huh. flatbread. And I realized I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to you, and you haven't heard a word that I've said, and I need your input. That happens a lot, actually. So if I was like, I hope this pizza crust works if you're not going to participate. Huh? What? What? Huh? What? <laughs> and I repeat myself, and then we made a decision. <laughs> Why did it take two? You say a lot of words that, for people that are easily distracted, make us leave the conversation. And, and I do too, by the way. I say oh, more yeah, I listened to what you did about milk a little while ago. I say more words than are required to get the point across. Pizza crust good. Hey, thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next week. Da -na -na -na. Done. No. no. Uh-uh. Okay. I find myself sometimes when you start talking about the way you cooked anything, I just like, uh, I'm already I, I out. I don't like that feedback. I'm already out. I hope that people listening don't feel the same way. Okay. Oh, but Watch there are me be people succinct. out there that are better at like listening to certain things that I'm not maybe as good at listening to. Like maybe they don't like it when I get into all these flowery voodoo woo-woo stuff. I did five egg whites and three whole eggs. You whisk them until it's all opaque. Then you sift in the coconut flour and then you whisk it. No clumps. Then you add your baking powder and your mixed spices. I salted it. I peppered it. And I used any of your dried italian -y oregano you know is peppered it a thing it is now peppered it i peppered it next time i'm out somewhere i'm gonna say i peppered it now here's how you make your crust i heated up my 12 inch cast iron skillet and i poured that batter into the skillet and you flip it one time so you go three to four minutes then you kind of take a little peek and then you flip it over and then you put it on the cooling rack so it can completely cool and basically you're making an egg white omelet yeah. that has baking ingredients in it, like the baking powder, mm -hmm. to cake it up a little bit. Yeah. Remember the picture that you saw? Uh -huh. This is what I made. It's all yeah. on our social media because yeah. yeah. it did not come out like the photograph at all. I thought it was fine. I mean, it didn't look like the photograph exactly, but somehow I didn't expect it to look like the photograph exactly. Once you cool it, you poke it with a toothpick all over, so you get evenly cooking it, uh -huh. and you treat it like a pizza crust. If you want a crispier crust, you put it in the oven, you cook it alone. And after that, we built our normal pizzas. You had made some basil pesto, but it was in the freezer and we didn't want to use that. We wanted to save it. So I just well, chopped up a Also because I have a ridiculous amount of basil right yeah, now. Yeah, and that's what like I did. I, I just chopped up a ton of basil, put down the oil and the garlic and the herbs and spices. And then I just put like a layer of basil, like a layer of mm -hmm. basil. Mm -hmm. And then we had bought some mushrooms and onions to all of that, tomatoes and lots of good stuff. And then you did, I, I had suggested like, do the, do the like three cheese thing. I am a nut about looking at the back of cheese, right? <laughs> Wanted to do a three cheese, a four cheese pizza now. I'm in the grocery store for an extra 20 minutes looking at the back of everything. There was cornstarch as the anti-caking agent in the bag that I had looked at before. Uh -huh. I saw potato starch. Uh -huh. I saw cellulose, which is basically like finely wood. ground wood. Yeah, wood. So what I ended up getting was the tiny little mozzarella balls yeah, and some shredded Parmesan. Uh-huh. I love it. I got shredded. Yeah. Uh, and then a big block of Asiago. So it was, so basically it was like hand two parms, grated. two salty hards, yeah. and then mozzarella. 
two what? I, <laughs> I grated the Asiago. I used the grated Parmesan, and then I just plopped down those little mozzarella balls all over the pizza. Huh? On my pizza, I did black olives because you don't eat black olives when we go out. I ate your pizza, and, and I they were good. bought the littlest can of sliced black olives that I could, and I got to tell you that although I used a handful for the pizza, the black olives were gone that night. You like, ate I, them all? I ate all of the black olives as I snacked while I cooked the food. I have decided that I like olives now. Good for you. But I also don't love them in things. Let's go get a dirty like, martini right now. That sounds good, actually. I like to go to places and order the marinated olives. And we did that in um, Charleston at a place. Whenever we go to our favorite pizza place, there's always a thing of Parmesan and a thing of hot pepper. Like Yeah, yeah. Crushed red pepper. Crushed red pepper. I know you're putting crushed red pepper on I will literally not even bite the pizza until it has crushed red pepper on it. Pizza has to have crushed red pepper on it. I love it so much. Well, it's fortuitous then that part of the real food so, that we ate tonight and part of the food that you grew that we ate that night and part of the pizza challenge that you... Local food that we ate that night was your very own... I guess it was the first time we kind of inaugurated using it. I look back at you in the kitchen and you go, hold on, I have your crushed red pepper and you reach up in the cabinet and you pull down crushed red pepper from the grocery store. Right. And I go... All bravado. No, no, no. I have crushed red pepper right over here because of the way I had kind of like tried to get it out of the container the last time because some of the chunks are like a little bit bigger. So this time I go, okay, I'm going to try it doing it this other way. I'm going to open up the sprinkle side and just shake it really hard onto our pizza and just shake, 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 shake. So I'm just like shaking it all over my pizza. Just shake, shake, shake. The way that you would if it was the store-bought. Pretty much, but even more so, like really just wanting to get all that fine, you know, pepper out on there. So let me tell you about my pepper. One of the things that's fantastic about food forest growing and permaculture style growing is that pepper plants can just grow into these massive bushes and just put on ridiculous amounts of peppers. And hot peppers do really, really well in our region. And I grew so many freaking habanero peppers this last year. And mm. I expect it to be that way again this next year. And we had already made habanero paste and we had already made habanero sauce mm-hmm. and we had already frozen habaneros and we'd already been pickled habaneros. My mom has one of those Excalibur drying racks. Oh, very fancy. It took days to get those things dried out enough okay. to be comfortable with them. We did learn though that you can actually dry them some, ground them and then let them, I forget what they call like basically set even after you've ground them so that they can dry out even more, which okay. is the reason why I try to keep that little container open to make sure it's drying oh, okay. out more. Uh-huh. So I get them home. Uh-huh. I grind them up in our coffee grinder. Uh-huh. I pour them into this the thing. Co- I will say the coffee grinder that's designated for herb grinding. Correct. Herb. Herb grinding. grinding. We're over here. We're back to me being all brave and bravado with my red pepper deliciousness. And I'm shaking it and I'm shaking it and I'm shaking it. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I go, I get my glass, my globe of red wine. I go sit on the back porch with my pizza and this new crust that you've made with all the deliciousness and my own fresh cracked pepper on You don't know how the crust is going to taste, but you know that it was made with love. Exactly. Uh Exactly. I start eating my pizza and my eyes just start watering a little bit i was on fire you came back inside because I, I had to make a second pizza for me and i was like honey my... what's wrong what happened i thought someone had you'd gotten some bad news i didn't know you were everything was dripping crying everything everything wet that can come out of me was coming out of me <laughs> 
I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> nose was slobbering. My eyes were running. My ears. So were what? What is the steaming. thing? What? What is the thing there? What? What did you learn about your red pepper? Not that it's just awfully hot, but it's fresh. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And because everybody that uses cracked red pepper knows this. When you buy it new, it's significantly hotter okay. than it's been when it's been sitting in the pantry for two months, three months, or whatever. So the stuff that's at the pizza place that's been on the table for... Every once in a while, I'll ruin a piece of pizza, which is part of the reason why I, I do it piece by piece rather than the whole, the thing. whole thing. This time, you were, I, I saw you. I watched you. Yeah. The whole pizza. I was pizza not thinking was at covered. all. I was not thinking. And but... I, so I think I took two of your slices that were so hot, you didn't want to eat them anymore and gave you... That's where you got the black I olives. traded. We yeah, traded. we traded mm -hmm. pieces of pizza. But it, I mean, it was so good. I But I also learned a couple of things. That your pizza was really delicious, even if it was on fire. Mm -hmm. And that if you drink coconut water, okay, coconut water, the sugar in coconut water will actually put the fire out on your tongue and on your lips. I don't believe that the grain-free pizza crust challenge is over by any stretch of the imagination. I thought it was good, though. It I, was really, really good. It did not have the consistency of crust that I'm happy with. And never I know that with of all of ones. those thousands... Never, never have any of the ones of that have been bought from the store. I know I didn't pick the right one first. I'm going to go deeper, Fine. but here I want to have conversations with gluten-free or paleo bakers, and I want yeah. to learn some secrets and tips and tricks because the perfect grain-free crust that I make, dough, all of it, is out there. And the other and thing I that will happens with it. us and our pizza is we There's load so a pizza so many ingredients. With everything and all the cheeses and all the vegetables. And now it's time for Table Topics. I pulled from the original box. Original box. Original. We started watching a TV show the other day called Space Force. Yeah, it didn't last very long. No, it didn't. But I think it's because I have a hard time sitting down and focusing on the TV these days. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of funny. And uh, now that we have a Space Force, this question is pretty good. I'm ready. Would you travel into space if you could? Yes. Me too. See you next week. I don't um, really have anything else to say about it. Of course I would. I would totally go on that adventure. Now, would I go on this Mars mission that's a one-way trip as a pioneer and you're definitely not coming home? They're selecting people for that. I don't think that I would do that. Right. Got kids and stuff. But I would travel to space. Without a doubt. I would jump on Elon Musk's... Um, <laughs> I would jump on Elon Musk's rocket and take it to space. <laughs> Milk and marijuana. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.